Heavenly Father, we thank You for sending the Lord Jesus Christ. You love the world and You sent the Lord Jesus to be the Savior of the world. We honor You, Lord Jesus, today. We praise Your name. For You alone are worthy of our praise. And so we lift up Your name today. We honor You as King of kings, Lord of lords, and Savior of our lives. We thank You, Lord, for the fellowship we have together today as we meet in this place. And may May we now hear your word clearly so that we might live for you and serve you in this world. We thank you for all the things that you do for us that we might be saved. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your words. We thank you for the words that we've been looking at together in your word. And we pray that you might help us today as we listen and hear these holy words, these truths at last. May we be changed by them today. And may we honor you in all that we do as a church. And may you be pleased with the work that we do here. And we thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you here this morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. And let me do a little operational thing here. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to John chapter 14, we'll be looking there today. And I hope that you've had a wonderful week. And those of you who are joining us online, God bless you. We're glad that you're always with us. We miss you and we're honored that you would join us today, wherever you might be. And we're delighted that you're here during the middle of our summertime and uh, that you can join us. Today we finish looking at these wonderful, very important words that come from John's gospel. I call them truths that last. They are those, the, the truly, truly statements of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that are found all through the gospel of John. And we've looked at a large number of those together. <clears throat> so today we look at the, uh, the two that are just remaining. Be, there would be one more that would uh, be spoken, but it's at the very end after the resurrection as the Lord speaks with Peter. We're going, to, we're going to use this as our uh, place where we finish looking at these words together. All right, quickly, just a reminder of how the Gospel of John is arranged. Uh, John chapter 1 through John chapter 12, the Lord Jesus is revealing His glory as the Son of God to all of the nation of Israel. That's why we have these long sections we've looked at where the Lord Jesus is speaking with the religious leaders about His glory about being one with the Father, about being God in the flesh, and uh, doing all kinds of miracles and speaking truth. And then in John chapter 13, which we looked at last week, all the way through John 17, we have the Lord Jesus revealing in a very special, intimate way to His disciples, <clears throat> the twelve, until Judas betrays Him and leaves, but then into the eleven, these very special truths about the glory of Jesus Christ and His nature. And then beginning in, and then we have the wonderful, unbelievable prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ in John 17. But beginning in verse, uh, chapter 18, all the way to chapter 21, we have the Lord Jesus revealing His glory to the world as He hung upon the cross and spoke those words of agony and died for the sin of the world and then was raised gloriously from the dead, praise the Lord, and we celebrate Him. We serve a risen Savior in the world today, and He's working through our lives. But today we come back to look at these very, very important words found in John chapter 14. And I'm going to read, uh, beginning. The, some of these words are very familiar to you, others of them may not be. 
But all of these words matter and they are truths that last. They are words that you can base your life on. You cannot be saved unless you believe the, Lord, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe what He did on the cross that we might be saved. So now we read in John 14 beginning in verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Uh, the Lord Jesus says to the, these disciples. So He says it to those of us who are followers of Jesus today. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For, I, for if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. <clears throat> no one comes to the Father but through me. If you had, had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does His works." Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because the works of the works themselves. And then we come to this truth that lasts. Truly, truly, I say to you, disciples, so he's speaking to, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word now, and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. So we look today at this very important truth, and I'm, I want you to look at the focal truth I have for you today is this, that God is glorified as Christ continues His work through believers in every generation. Our, our students have been, just been to camp, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing what all has happened, uh, students, with, your, with you and your lives, <clears throat> when we uh, have the opportunity to hear from you, and it'll be exciting, I know. Many of us have experienced those days in our lives where God did that special work in our lives as, as teenagers, as students, and we're delighted. And all the work that already we've seen this summer as we've shared the gospel with boys and girls in Vacation Bible School. So today we come and I come to you as a church to remind you that God is glorified. God is glorified as Christ continues His work through believers in every generation. And that is what the Lord is saying here. This is one of those unbelievable things that reveals the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. His continued work through us who are here today, who are followers of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying here in verse number 12. Keep your Bible open and follow along. Notice this. He who believes in me. 
He who believes in me, those who are followers of Jesus, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. So I have four observations for you today that I'd like for us to look at for a moment. I've tried to, uh, these are longer statements, but I've tried to put together what I believe is important for us to hear in relationship to this truth that God continues the work of Christ through His people in all generations. And we're the generations that are now here to carry out the work of the church at First Baptist Church. First of all, we see in these first 11 verses, we won't go into detail. I'll make just a few comments about them, but these are familiar words. Uh, generally, the first, especially the first six verses are very familiar to most of us here today. Believers in Jesus Christ trust Jesus Christ in their troubles in the world. Secondly, believers in Jesus Christ continue the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. That's what we're here to do today. That's why we're still here, church. Uh, finally, uh, number three, uh, believers in Jesus Christ, and this is a long statement, but stay with me. <clears throat> believers in Jesus Christ pray in the name of Jesus for whatever they need for the work of sharing the gospel to the glory of God. That's the focus of prayer. That is the center and the real reason why we pray. It is tied to asking God for what we need in the name of the Lord Jesus to do the work He's called us to do. And finally, uh, to go with that, Jesus promises believers that He will do what they ask in His name in order for them to accomplish His work in the world. So we have some very important things to think about today. It is, first of all, what is our work? Do you understand your work as a follower of Jesus Christ? And secondly, how is it that uh, we, we are to pray? How is it we're to pray and to ask in Jesus' name for what we need, whatever we need, um, and uh, anything and whatever we need in order to accomplish His purposes. Well, you see, this gives some focus to prayer, doesn't it? So I'll make a few comments about that today in our time. First of all, we think for a moment uh, in these first few verses, verses 1 through 11, about this great truth. Believers in Jesus Christ trust the Lord in their troubles in this world. You may come here today with a troubled heart. You may be here and your heart is troubled. And the cares and the worries of life, you're, you're glad to be in this place, and so am I. It's always a sweet and wonderful time for us. It is a chance for our hearts uh, to be encouraged by the Word of God and with our fellowship with one another as we minister to one another in Jesus' name. It's always good when we can gather as God's people how I wish that others would join us uh, and how we pray they will. We'll invite them, but it is a wonderful thing. I can't imagine life without fellowship with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been my privilege all my life to be a part of a church, and I'm grateful uh, that my parents uh, made that possible and encouraged me, and I hope that that's been the same for you. And if you're starting life, boys and girls, you should always assemble with God's people. It's a special thing. And it's always good for us to gather together because here we, we focus on God's Word. Here we focus on praying. Here we, we focus on worship and praising God. But perhaps today your heart is heavy. I don't know what your reason for it is. I don't know why you come with a troubled heart. 
We know that these disciples in this particular place are sad because the Lord is now talking about leaving them. He's not going to be with them anymore. They've spent all of these years with Him in physical fellowship with Him. They've seen miracles. They've heard unbelievable words. <clears throat> they've seen things that no other people have seen. And thankfully, John and the other apostles have written down for us so that we can see them as we read them on the pages of God's Word. All of the glorious things Jesus Christ did, all the things He said, these blessed, wonderful red-letter words in many of your Bibles, and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. John records seven of the amazing miracles of the Lord Jesus, from turning water into wine, all the way to raising Lazarus from the dead after he'd been dead for four days. So perhaps you're here today and your heart is troubled. Well, what does the Lord say? Verse 1, believe in God, believe also in me. Though I'm not with you physically, he says to us all. And he was preparing these disciples to live like we live, by faith. By talking with the Lord in prayer for what we need. He's preparing them for the way we live as followers of Jesus. And the vast majority of the Christian church for generations has lived. With our Lord physically absent, but though He is present with us by the Holy Spirit, we can speak with Him and He continues His ministry through us. This is an, this is an amazing act of the glory of Jesus Christ, and we should think about it. He says in verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. We've, <clears throat> we talk about this all the time, don't we, church? There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way of life. There is no other truth for life. There is no other... There is no other way, no truth, nor life itself than in knowing Jesus Christ. He is the one. He is the bread of life. He's the water of life. He spoke about this. We looked at those words in days gone by. So we live our lives based on going and following. We go through the door of the Lord Jesus Christ. The door to salvation. The door of life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. These are blessed, wonderful words. This is how you come to be saved. This is how you come to know God. It's by following Jesus Christ. And he goes on and says in verse number 9, these amazing words, when Philip says, just show us the Father. Show us who God is, Philip is saying in verse 8. And the Lord says, have I been so long with you, he who has seen me? What an incredible statement in verse 9. He who has seen me has seen God. He who has seen me has seen God. This is an amazing thing. How can you say, Philip, show us the Father? He'd now been with them all this time. And even for Philip, even for these disciples, it was hard for them to understand and come to appreciate the full glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God in flesh. And so we honor Him as our God. He is part of that wonderful, glorious uh, majesty of God, who is Father, Son, Spirit. And he says to Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. What did he say to those Jewish uh, leaders back over in John 10? <clears throat> Before Abraham was, I am. I am the I am. I am God. And so he declares that, but goes on and says something amazing in verse number 10. In fact, verse number 10 helps us to understand verses 11 and 12 and 13. He said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? If you don't believe it because I've said it, 
He says, the words that I say to you, see, we've been talking about the Lord's words. That's why it's important for you to read your Bible. That's why it's important for you to study carefully the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says here, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. Please look at the last phrase of verse number 10. But the Father abiding in me, please notice this, does His work. You see, this explains the work of Jesus Christ. God was working mightily and powerfully through Him because He was God, but God was at work in Him. This is important as we begin to think about our working by the power of Jesus Christ to do His work. Believe me, verse 11, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. So He gives us these great truths. If you're trouble-hearted today, remember this, that you can trust the Lord for what you need. Believe this today, that He is the way and the truth and the life. All of life may be out of sorts. Troubles may be coming all around you. You don't know what to do. They just seem to overwhelm you. You may be living this morning and you may just be overwhelmed. You don't even know what to do. You must go to the Lord Jesus Christ. You must go to Him and find what you need. You must call to Him and tell Him what you need. And you must speak with Him, as He's about to say here to these disciples, as He begins to teach them about prayer like they've never really considered it. Oh, they've heard Him talk about prayer. They've heard His words and teachings. They'll put it all back together after the Lord is risen from the dead and the Holy Spirit comes to put it together for them so that He might put it together for us as we read God's Word. But secondly, the Lord then comes to these words and says in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Now, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm talking about trusting him. I'm not talking about just in your mind you believe, well, yes, Jesus Christ existed. I'm talking about that you have a trusting, living, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He says here in verse 12, he who believes in me. Notice what will happen here. The works that I do. We've been looking at all the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's done all kinds of miracles. But the greatest work of all was that He came declaring Himself as the promised Messiah. He came declaring Himself as the way to life, the truth. He came declaring Himself as the way to live life and to be saved. He declared that salvation was in Him and no other that was His work, to come and declare these words to the world. This is His work, His work to die on the cross so that we might be saved and to be raised from the dead, ascend to heaven. This was His work. But please notice this, the works that I do, the works that I do, He will do also. And greater works than these He will do because I go to the Father. Now look at each of these phrases for just a moment. First He says, the works that I do. That's what the Lord's called us to do. We, we saw last week in the truly, truly in John 13, we saw these words in verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. The joy of it is that now we are followers of Jesus Christ. And yes, we are children of God. Yes, we are friends of God because we've been reconciled by the death of Jesus Christ. But we have, now, we have now submitted ourselves voluntarily as His bond slaves. I stand before you as a bond slave of Jesus Christ sent here to do this ministry that I have to do in this place. 
And so we are sent to do our work. You're sent to do your work. We have jobs to do. We have the gospel to share. This is the work he's talking about. The works that I do, sharing the gospel, discipling those who are saved, and doing ministry to those in the name of Jesus all around us. This is our job. This is why we're here. This is why the Lord has left us here. And oh, the troubles of life come, and these disciples were going to be overwhelmed with troubles. The Lord Jesus reminds them later in these words, they're going to be thrown out of the synagogues. They're going to be rejected. They're going to be killed. He tells them trouble is ahead for the disciple. Trouble doesn't go away for us. We live through tribulations, but we do our work. And our work is to carry out the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. Our work is to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. We don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's our assignment. We do the work of the one who we love, the works that I do. Uh, what did the Lord say to his own disciples? You remember they came bringing him food after he was talking to the Samaritan woman, John 4. My food, this is what the Lord said, here's my nourishment. My nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That should be, that should be your motto today because you've been called to do God's work. You're saved you're saved. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. The works that I do, he will do. So we're to accomplish his work. Paul said to the Corinthian church, I'll just give you some, uh, some idea of this all through the Gospels and into the letters. Paul said to the Corinthians about Timothy, Timothy's going to come to you and let him come. And, and he doesn't want to be fearful about coming to you and how you receive him. He says in 1 Corinthians 16, 10, he is doing, listen, the, the Lord's work. That's what we're here to do. He's left you in this world to do the Lord's work. Let me read you something else. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus in Philippians 2.30, he's, he's bringing the gift from the Philippian church, a money gift to support Paul in prison. And he says that uh, Epaphroditus, of Philippians 2.30, came close to death, listen, for the work of Christ. He was doing the work of the Lord. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, what God was doing in Jesus Christ. I'll just read it. 2 Corinthians 5. These are famous words. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. God was in Christ. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed to us, believers in Jesus Christ, He has committed to us the Word of reconciliation, that is, share the gospel. Stay with me. The words, we're big, we've been given the words of reconciliation. Therefore, as ambassadors for Christ, as though God were appealing through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's our job. You go to your family, you go to work, you go to the stranger, and we share the gospel. We go sharing the gospel. Believers in Jesus Christ continue His work. The works that I do, shall you do. This is the task we all have. No one's left out. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's your responsibility to do the work He's called you to do. And look at this astounding statement. And greater works than these He will do. Who? The believer in Jesus Christ. This is not in miracles. This isn't the greater work that comes in some fantastic set of things we say. No, it's in the work of sharing the gospel. I remind you, Peter preached the first sermon 
after the Holy Spirit came and 3,000 were saved that day. And the apostles went all over the world with no resources, with no New Testament except the gospel of Jesus Christ on their lips. And they shared all around the world and people came to Christ and generation after generation, the word of God has been passed down until we stand here as a miracle of this greater work because you're here this morning and you have a full Bible in your hands and you know the gospel of Jesus Christ because of those who have done the greater work that they've been given by God. Now, what do we do in our generation? We carry on the greater work from generation to generation. That's why our students hear these things and are challenged. That's why our boys and girls are challenged with these truths. Because it is our task, it is our task to glorify Jesus Christ by continuing His work through us throughout our generation. So we have work to do, don't we? And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, the works that I do, he will do. And greater works than these he will do. Listen, because, because I go to the Father. Because of the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, the work, the greater work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater work of God in bringing people to salvation and bringing people to follow Jesus Christ goes on. You know, someone Someone or some people gave lots of time in your life for you to be saved and for you to be discipled. Did you know that? Did you know lots of people have showed up at your door, texted you, called you, showed up in your life just in time when you needed them. They were sent as a bond slave of Jesus Christ to do the ministry that God had sent them to do. They sent them to do that, and that's part of the greater works that now go on. All across this planet, all across Dixon County, uh, through your families, through mine, through all that we do, we do the greater work. We do the greater work because the Lord Jesus has ascended to heaven. Praise God. He is there as our great high priest. We go to Him with what we need, and we speak to Him. And that leads me to the third thing. Believers in Jesus Christ must pray... In the name of Jesus Christ to the Father for whatever they need in order to do their work. Now this might change your view on prayer. You may be here this morning and you think what prayer is about is for you to make your list of personal desires and needs and put them before God and He's supposed to do that because you're a special person. Your idea of prayer may be, well, you know, Lord, I just, I need, I need a new car and Lord, why won't you give me a new car? Because the Lord says, probably the one you have is good enough. I need a new job. I need, I claim this and that in your name. Oh, the tragedy of misunderstanding the focus of prayer. You see, the Lord Jesus is not going to be present with the disciples physically. And just as they used to ask Him for things while they were together in this world, now guess what? He teaches them what we all now learn. You ask Jesus Christ in His name. You ask God the Father through Jesus Christ's name for what you need in order to do your work for Him. That's where prayer starts. Oh Lord, please remove this from my life. And the Lord says, no, I have it in your life because it's going to bring glory to God. I'm not removing it. Oh Lord, if I could just if I could just have this one thing changed in my life, and the Lord says, I'll determine what you need in your life because I have an assignment for you to do. 
And in order for you to do what I've called you to do and to do the greater work, you need this. So the Lord says these amazing words, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. You see, the Lord's still working. The Lord Jesus is working as our great high priest. He still responds to us as we ask Him for what we need to do His work. Now let's talk for a moment about praying in the name of Jesus. I've been doing this a long time and I've listened to a lot of people uh, try to understand what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Some praying, praying in the name of Jesus as if when you say in the name of Jesus, it's a magical thing. If you say those magical words, then magical things happen. It's a total misunderstanding of what this means. In fact, it's great disrespect and dishonor to the Lord Jesus Christ to even speak or talk that way. No, you see, the Lord Jesus is introducing this now to His disciples. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. The, this, the, the other truly, truly I mentioned in chapter 16, as He's finishing about the promise of prayer in verse 23, truly, truly I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He will give it to you. Why? Because we have work to do. We have gospel work to do. And in order to do the gospel work, we have to do whatever our condition, whatever we're facing, we must pray. And we pray in order to ask, I love the way it's described here, whatever and anything. Because he goes on and says, whatever you ask in my name, verse 13, I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whatever anything you pray for, whatever anything you pray for in order to do the work that I've given you to do, I will do it. This isn't some kind of an empty promise. What does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? Well, number one, it means you ask whatever Jesus would ask. Is that the way you pray? Is your prayer life one of praying what Jesus would pray? What does it mean to ask in the name of Jesus? It means whatever would please God. When I pray in the name of Jesus, it's praying whatever Jesus would ask, and it's praying what would please God. Not what would please me. When I pray in the name of Jesus, it's praying whatever would bring glory to God. And that may mean that you have to live in hardship and pain and struggle all the days of your life. But if you're to do it in Jesus' name and it brings glory to God, blessed be the name of the Lord. Give thanks in all things for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And there is no explanation for some of the things we go through this side of heaven, but one day you will know. But now we pray in Jesus' name the way Jesus would ask, what would please God, what would bring glory to His name, and whatever you need. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ and God the Father for what we need to do our work of gospel sharing and discipling and ministering. Let me just give you some examples, and I wish I had more time. John 15, 16. Listen, you, this is just right here in your Bible. You can look at it there. You, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. You see, that's what you do in your gospel ministry. And that your fruit would remain so that, notice, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. You see, your prayer life is tied to your work for God. Your prayer life is tied to your ministry. That's the whatever and anything. That's the whatever and anything that he's saying here. Whatever and anything, whatever and anything you need to carry out your work, ask me for it. Ask the Father for it. 
and I'll do it. It's an astounding truth. John 16, 24. I just read it to you over there. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive. Why? So that you may do the work that he's called you to do. There's something else here. I go on. John couldn't get over this. 1 John 3, 22. I'm going to read these carefully to you. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. It's obedience. My prayer life is tied to being obedient to God. I do what He tells me to do. I carry out my missions. I do what I'm supposed to do. And do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Whatever we ask, we receive when we keep His commandments and we do the things that are pleasing to Him. That's why you may not be receiving an answer to your prayers if you're not keeping His commandments and doing what's pleasing to Him. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 is even more direct. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have before Him. Listen. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. It is the will of God that people be saved. It is the will of God that we disciple. It is the will of God that we do ministry to the broken and the, and the bruised and to one another in the name of Jesus Christ. And I could go on talking about our work in ministry. If you ask anything according to His will, He hears you And if you know that He hears you, listen, in whatever you ask for your work, for your ministry, in whatever you ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. Oh yes, Paul goes on to remind us in Philippians that we should, that we should pray about everything. Yes. Yes, Peter reminds us to cast all our cares on Him. He cares for us. Yes. Oh, you talk to the Lord about your troubles. Yes, you bring them to Him. But you must never divorce your praying and your request to God from the work He's given you to do as a disciple of Jesus Christ. This isn't, about, this isn't just for preachers and missionaries. This is for all of us who are here today who follow Jesus Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, the works that I do, He will do also. Greater works than these He will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's what this is all about. Your life and mine now is all about glorifying Jesus Christ. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's why I call it the whatever anything praying that we must do. The whatever anything we do in our praying. Whatever and anything in your praying, when you're praying in the will of God and you're praying for that which you need to do the work, that's why it comes to this sweet promise in verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. So Jesus Christ is ready to respond to all of His disciples and answer what they need to do their job. So what do I have for you today for you to think about? What are some things we need to remember? Well, quickly, I'll give you these and we'll be on our way. First of all, faith in Jesus Christ sustains the troubled soul. Look, I have my troubles just like you have yours. Some days it's just a deep, long groan, isn't it? Some days you just wonder, can you get out of bed? Some days you wonder, will the day ever end? Some days you wonder, why would God put this on you? Some days you wonder, is this what it really means to follow Jesus? And oh, the troubled soul. But you see, we must trust in Jesus Christ, the one who saved us. 
You can trust your Lord. He knows where you are. He knows what you are going through. And you can tell it to Jesus, as our old hymn says. Tell it to Jesus. Keep speaking with Him about it. Talk to Him about it. Believe in Him. Go to Him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Ask for what you need to sustain you to do your work. These students who are here, God's working in their lives to shape and to call them. They're dealing with issues just like many of us did as students. I was called to preach when I was 13 years old at a camp. Yes, yes, God calls you. He gives you an assignment. He gives you a ministry. You have a ministry at your job to be a gospel declarer and a disciple maker. Our church has a tasks and responsibilities. Every believer who hears my voice this morning, you've been given work to do. The work of the Lord, the work of Jesus Christ. And to do your work, you must speak with God about what you need. Christ's work goes on through the life and ministry of believers in Christ. The work goes on. In, in, an essence, you, in, in essence, you could say it this way. The Lord has multiplied Himself by the millions upon millions of His followers in whom He dwells. Now, that's a pretty amazing thing. That's the greater work. The Lord's people are doing His work all over the world. And you know what they're doing? Praying and asking whatever and anything in order to do the work. That's where the whatever and anything comes to be. Tied to the work. Praying in Jesus' name, number three, and I'm, I'm lingering here and I know of the time, please be patient. Praying in Jesus' name is praying as Jesus prayed. Are you hearing me? It's praying. If you're praying for something, pause for a moment and ask, could the Lord pray for this? Would the Lord pray for this? Praying in Jesus' name is praying as Jesus prayed. And notice... Praying as Jesus would pray. How would the Lord pray? The Lord prayed to the Father while He hung on the cross. Father, forgive them. Can you imagine that? How must you pray for your enemies? How must you pray for those who despitefully use you? How must you pray? You pray like Jesus prayed. You pray when you say in the name of Jesus, you're praying and saying, Father, this is the way Jesus Christ would pray. This is, I am praying in His name by His authority, yes, but I am praying as He would pray. And whatever you ask in prayer, finally, should glorify and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. God is glorified through the Lord Jesus Christ. All glory. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. He is glorified in His cross, and He is glorified in His resurrection and ascension, and He's glorified in your life and mine, regardless of what conditions we are in. Whatever you ask, whatever anything you ask in prayer, should glorify, honor, and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we pray for our missionaries. That's why we pray for those who go. You know, for some of you... You're a slave now to the Lord Jesus Christ like me. You voluntarily did it. You know, is the Lord calling you to pick up your bags, pack up your bags and move in order to do what he's calling you to do? Well, you should take, you should take that serious, whatever your age. You must think about yourself as a bond slave. The Lord plants you where He puts you. He puts you here. He puts you there. You're there in order for the advance of the gospel. We are here for His purposes, not ours. 
This is a gospel-focused thing that we're about. And that's the way I should pray. I should pray in that way. So today, as we leave, what do we do? Well, number one, we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in our troubles. And we do the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel and making disciples. We keep doing it. We keep doing it. We do it when the sun's up. We do it when the sun's down. We do it when we're young. We do it when we're middle-aged. We do it when we're old. We do it when we're students. We learn as boys and girls. We do our work. We serve the Lord. We do the work of the Lord. Do not grow weary, Paul said to the Corinthians. Your labor is not in vain. What is our work? Our work is the work of the gospel and disciple making. Do the work of the Lord Jesus. Share the gospel. Make disciples. That's the work of this church. That's the work of this church. That's what we're here to do. We must be focused on our work, dear people, and ask in the name of Jesus as a church what we need, our anything and whatever we need, in order to, go, to do the work He's called us to do. Well, thank you for listening. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who believes in Me, the works that I do, He will do also, and greater works than these will He do, because I go to the Father. We're about to sing an old hymn. Some of you have never sung it before. We're going to sing it for our invitation. I'm going to quote it here as I close. Oh, these great old hymns. Now, don't fold up and stop listening. Hear me as we finish. O land of rest, for thee I sigh. Now listen to the words. The only reason why we're sighing for a land of rest is, listen, because we've been working. O land of rest, for thee I sigh. When will the moment come when I shall lay my armor by and dwell in peace at home? To Jesus Christ I fled for rest. He had me cease to roam and lean for comfort on His breast till He conducts me home. I sought at once my Savior's side, and no more my steps to roam. With Him I'll brave death's chilling tide and reach my heavenly home. You ready for it? We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes, and we'll be gathered home. Can anybody say amen? amen? That's what we do. Let's stand together now.